Welcome to the Self-Love Happy Hour podcast, a positive and safe space for Black women to embrace self-love and enjoy a cocktail. I'm so excited about today's episode because we have a special guest. Um, The drink of the day is a mojito, which is her favorite um, happy hour cocktail without the alcohol. We love mocktails as well. So today I'm excited to introduce to you Sorella Magazine's editor-in-chief, Grace. Um, Please tell us about yourself and about um, Sorella Magazine and, of course, the Sit Down Sis podcast. Okay. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, Yes, my name is Grace. I am from Canada. I am 22 years old. I'm currently um, learning or going to school, actually, in university. And um, this past year, well, let me say what I'm studying. I'm studying um, a double major in English literature and Spanish. And yeah, so uh, this past year, I um, this past September, I started an online magazine for Black women um, called Sorella Magazine. And um, it's basically a, a platform or a space for Black women like myself to share um, more of the, how do I say this? Controversial is not the right word, but like just be very candid and very unapologetic about the way that Black women are thinking and feeling about society and about the way that we're treated in society and about how we can navigate the world and navigate our spaces. Um, and then because, you know, Sorella Magazine is not just my voice, um, it is, you know, um, you know, we have a couple of writers, we have, you know, a team of people who are working on it. But the Sit Down Sis podcast, I decided to, to start um, a couple months ago, I think it was April, and or made it might have been March. No, I think it was April. Um, I started in April. And it's basically, you know, another platform again, to have that unapologetic voice, but it would be more um, catered to what I'm specifically feeling and what I um, some of my viewpoints and some of my visions and, and, and passions and what really um, is on my heart to say. And I really love both platforms because obviously, you know, as a writer, I do a lot of writing and I love any opportunity where I can um, speak and like let people understand what I have to say. But um, I think also what I do say on the Sit Down Says podcast um, and well, yeah, on 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 Sorella magazine, are things that um we haven't been used to hearing as Black women, and I think that you know it's it sometimes the message is a little difficult to take or even to hear, but I think it's really necessary for Black women to um, start having some of these harder conversations about you know whether or not we're being taken advantage of and whether or not you know the word pro Black is is you know a helpful terminology for us to align ourselves by and things like that. So yeah. Definitely. I love your platform and I'm so glad we connected on Instagram and kind of had um, little interactions here and there. You talk a lot about mm-hmm. a lot of great topics on your podcast, such as just like natural hair, learning different languages, black women protesting and colorism. Um, what do you think is some of the hardest conversations for us as black women to have with ourselves and then also our friends? Mm. Um, I think the hardest conversation to have, I recently dropped uh, an episode um today actually about why I'm not you know why I don't align myself to pro-black terminology anymore any longer and I think that that may be the hardest topic um to talk to with especially for me with my black female friends with my family because um 
you know, we've seen it traditionally as a very regressive way of thinking when you don't. Basically, black women were engineered to be community minded, um, even when it doesn't always benefit us. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that, you know, specifically black women, sometimes we put a lot out into the community and into the black community and we don't always get that reciprocal effort back. And I think that until we do, we may have to withdraw some of our support until people start to notice us as well. Um, One of the things that has been, that has really um, pushed me into that line of thinking is the way that the Black Lives Matter movement specifically was started by black women. And yet a lot of black women have been, their stories and their, their cases of police brutality have been slid under the rug and we've forgotten about them. Or even the national response to the difference in the national response to Breonna Taylor's death, um, which has spurred, you know, maybe some hashtags, but nothing really tangible, as opposed to what happened with George Floyd. Um, Not that, you know, every case is to be compared or everything, but there's definitely a difference in how black women are treated in our community. And unfortunately, you know, it's a really tough conversation to have to say, yeah, I'm not going to ride for the community unless the community starts to acknowledge the way that black women and girls are being forgotten. Um... And so, yeah, that's one of, that's one thing that I've definitely had like some fights with like my dad about and my friends about, and, you know, people have been like, how can you say that? And I understand it's a controversial opinion, um, but it's also, it has to be said, I think there's room for different opinions in media. There's room for different opinions in podcasts and on YouTube and, you know, media is, that's what media is about is, is expressing the way that the people think. And there's people like me who think that way. And I think that we have to um, our voices should also be heard. Definitely. I really appreciate that because you dive headfirst into these issues and just definitely talk about things that are not easy for everyone to talk about, especially depending mm-hmm. on your background, how you grew up, where you grew up, you know, being in Canada, do you feel like that kind of, um, did you grow up there? Did it kind of play a part in how you feel about things as a black person, you know, living in Canada and in, in comparison to the United States? Like, do you feel there's a difference? Mm-hmm. How could you kind of go about that as well? Yeah, so um, for me, I I grew up in an all-white town. Um, I've actually always grown up in all-white spaces. I've very rarely had that many, like, black friends or black, I guess the only black people that I knew were a couple family friends and then um, some, um, like, uh, relatives. Um, but as far, that really, like, made my experience of racism really sharp. And it made me mm-hmm. really, really, um, for a while, I became very, very, like, anti-racism, very pro-black. Um, and I was just really, really headstrong about, you know, talking up about racism. Um, but it did it did kind of, because I, well, because I felt it so strongly. I, I experienced it so often, um, growing up in an all-white sphere and, you know, not really having that um, community of black people that I could rely on or that I could turn back to. Um, and I realized, you know, growing up actually that that's not the case for every black person in, in Canada. Um, I'm only speaking from the Western black, Western Canadian perspective, but like I've heard that in Eastern Canada, there's so many, there's so much diversity. Um, so many black people It's really, there's, you know, thriving community of Africans, black Canadians. Mm -hmm. And like, I really wish that had been my experience, but it wasn't. Um, but I think that now I'm really grateful for it. Uh, making me more aware of, of, of those difficult things to talk about. And 
making me more open, I guess, to to hearing the truth because I knew that what I was experiencing wasn't good and I, I knew that, you know, there's got to be something better than this. And so when I started to hear people right. talking about, you know, racism and uh, white supremacy, I jumped on it really, really quick. Um, and now that I've gotten a little bit older and I have been able to nuance my conversation a little bit more, I've seen the ways that even, you know, as much as I felt protected in that community and as much as I felt protected in talking about, you know, black issues, that even within that sphere, there was a bit of negligence towards black women and girls. And, um, and that's why I guess I started Sorella Magazine. That's why I started the podcast because I just have such a heart for black women and black girls. And mm -hmm. I, I really um, am passionate about, you know, dealing with the the different types of misogynoir that we face, you know, colorism, featureism, texturism, all the different isms that black women face on a daily basis and talking up and, and speaking up about that because I think that's so, so, so important for us to um, navigate and create those spheres where we can feel safe, you know? Definitely. I really like how you talked about Canada and your experience because it's kind of the same thing in the United States on the East mm. side. It's more um, black people and then West coast is not as diverse. I mean, but even some parts of the East coast are like that, but just generally speaking, that's how it's seen. So that's interesting that you brought that up, but I definitely mm -hmm. love the topics that you talk about being I'm, I'm natural. I usually wear my curls and, um, going into the workspace, I kind of hesitated. Like, do I want to wear my curls? Do I not want to wear my curls? And just like even colorism and friendships is a big deal too. Um, but I really enjoy mm -hmm. your, your platform and just how you really speak to things that need to be said. And you're just, Spin the facts, spin your opinion, and that's so important. Oh, thank so, you. So, um, do you believe that? Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> do you believe <laughs> that friendships have become underrated in society as a black woman? Why or why not? And yeah, just kind of give your perspective on that one. Um, so my perspective on this has recently changed. I actually think that most black women take our friendships as seriously as we need to. Um, because actually, what more than like when you when you take away romantic relationships and take away family, all that we really have are our friendships. Um, so I think the black women really, really, really understand that. At least the black women that I know, and we really, really ride hard for each other. We are loyal and loving and supportive, and we don't just let a friendship die for no reason. At least mm -hmm. I have never met a black female friend who just lets a friendship die. Whereas this past year, um, I was in Spain. I made a lot of friendships and um, really, really, I guess I, I wouldn't say it was a mistake, but in hindsight, I know now that I should not have invested so much in those friendships um, because it was not reciprocal. Um, and a lot of these women were white um, or mm -hmm. different, you know, nationalities, ethnicities. And I thought, oh, we're, you know, we're, we're, the, we're this multicultural melting pot, you know, um, they, they tell me they love me all the time, so they must really love me. But as soon as there was an issue, they were gone. And I think that's mm -hmm. actually because when you're white or when you're a white woman, you have the luxury of knowing that you drop a friend and then you, you pick up another one because you think about the privilege of being a white woman everybody wants to be your friend, you know, or a right. lot of people want to be your friend. Everybody wants to be around you. You don't want for attention in the way that black women do because we're so neglected. Um, if you understand what I'm saying. Right. So no, I, I, feel, I feel that. 
Yeah, so I feel like, you know, now going forward, I will, like, of course I'll make friends with all types of people. Um, and of course, you know, friendships are maybe underrated in society. But I'm going to be careful to only invest in friendships and relationships with people who I know also value those friendships on the same level um, as I do. Like, it's not, it, you know, it, for I guess even just making friends with somebody who has always made friends really easily in their life. I couldn't do it anymore because I feel like I just don't know if you're going to value the friendship as much and be willing to work through it, you know, in a mature way, as opposed to when the easy thing, when the next thing comes and makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable, will you, you know, decide not to be a friend anymore? And that ends up in devastation and it's just like, it's not easy. So is friendship underrated in society as a black woman? Um, for black women, I think that we, we hold on to our friendships like we, we should, because we we have nothing else, you know, obviously family and, and, and romance counts for something. But um, a lot of the times it's your friends who are your are the ride or dies in your life. And um, for a black woman, I think that, you know, we that I'm actually thinking about writing an article about it, just about how black women, we, we really ride for each other. And it's such a beautiful thing. And it's something that I hope we never lose, um, because I don't think it's it's really anywhere else to be found. Um, which Definitely. is unfortunate. I really but, appreciate you know, your response. Yeah. Yeah. Because, oh, thank I mean, you. Yeah. even, um, like, you talk about family, and I feel like a lot of my friends have become my family, because I'm not necessarily close with all of my mm. family. I'm close to a great portion of my family, but I think it's so important that you identify with who you identify with. You know what I mean? Like, everybody, mm -hmm. and I've realized this in my friendships, too. I don't think that friendships are underrated. I think that they're treated sometimes like they are, because mm. some people don't know how to be friends. You know, and I've experienced that at a young age, at my age now. And it's just like some people don't know what that means, what that means for me, what that means for them. And like you said, like we kind of relate in a lot of ways talking about how we really cherish friendships and how they're important and how, you know, we really value like being there for people because we know yeah. like any like nobody else knows what it's like to be without, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we're expected to provide, like I said on your podcast episode, we're expected to provide and be there. But it's like, who's there for us? You know, because you can wow. only do so much for yourself. And I think that I've especially learned, um, kind of, you kind of touched on it, kind of just being how you're a friend. Like, I've learned that, I've learned that um, I have, I had two different kinds of friendships and I had to really evaluate that and like take a step back. Like I have low maintenance friendships and I have high maintenance friendships. And mm -hmm. for a while I wondered, like, why do I feel that way? And sometimes I feel like we have high maintenance friendships, which is like you need reassurance. You need to talk to them all the time. You need to be with them all the time. Or you have to hang out with them this many times a month. You know what I mean? Like to feel like you're actually still friends with them. Um, mm -hmm. And it's like I feel sometimes we feel like we're insecure of that person's friendship if we do that. Because some of my best mm. friends, I don't if I don't talk to them for three months, it's like, okay. Like, it's, like we'll, we'll talk three months later and be like, hey, girl, what's up? You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. I also feel like how, how you characterize or where you put people in your life kind of sets speaks to that as well, which is why I wanted to ask you that question because I know that everybody's experience, like I grew up in a predominantly white area as well until I was in middle school. Like mm -hmm. I was the only black girl in my kindergarten, first grade class, second grade class. Mm -hmm. So I kind of understand like how, how we value friendships might not be how people that were in predominantly black areas value friendships. Because yeah. sometimes they're friends by convenience. Like, we live by each other, so we're friends and we're both black. You know what I mean? Not because it's like, oh, you really are my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel so, that for sure. 
Yeah. Um, the self love happy hour, we really like value safe spaces as we talked about before on a personal level. So like, how do you create that on a professional level as you manage the magazine and the podcast and Instagram and just all while being in quarantine, I'm sure you guys are still kind of shut down in in an aspect I'm assuming. Um, Mm -hmm. how do you balance all of that and still feel safe in your craft and in your profession? Mm -hmm. Um, well, one thing that I've been trying to do a little bit more is to create a a thicker line between my professional life and my personal life. Um, I feel like I kind of blurred that in over the past year. Um, I had friends helping me out and then I had, you know, professional people becoming my friends and like, it was just very, um, which there's nothing wrong with that, but like, you know, you do have to, you do have to know where your work ends and where your life starts. And, um, so yeah, I guess one thing that I've been doing is trying to set more boundaries between, you know, how much time I can allow myself to work on Sorella Magazine and on the Sit Down Sis podcast. And then, um, when I'm really, when I'm, when I'm done working on it, I have to actually be done, um, so that Sorella can continue to be a safe space for me, um, or, and not just for me, but for black women. I feel like, you know, I wouldn't be able to put the, um, to run a team and to have all of that, um, how do I say this? I wouldn't be able to manage the business effectively if it wasn't for, you know, me being in a, in a good mental space. And the best way to be in a good mental space is by really setting those boundaries and, and making sure that the line between professional and personal life isn't blurred. Um, also, I think people are really quick to attack black women, um, even like especially public black women. And um, so I try to not like say, um, you know, like my last name or just put too many details mm-hmm. out there about myself just so that Definitely. I can maintain that distance a little bit easier because, um, you know, especially because the things that I do say and the things that, you know, the people who write for Sorella say, they're a little controversial sometimes. Not everybody will like it. Um, and so I, I really do think it's important to, you know, just protect yourself um, because, you know, as a black woman, you have a target on your back. Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of how I like to create a safe space, um, while, while managing, uh, the business. Definitely. I really appreciate that because as somebody who's going to be in corporate America and just kind of wanting to get that, that, um, professional relationship, but also wanting to do your craft and, you know, be authentic and all that. I think it's great. Like my podcasters don't know my last name unless they personally know me. You know what I mean? And so a lot of my friends support, mm-hmm. but it's not like so off brand that it's like I'm a totally different person. You know what I mean? So I definitely mm-hmm. appreciate that um, perspective of it. So like for all creatives mm-hmm. that strive to have their own magazine, podcast, or just want to be in creative space, like what advice do you have for them? Because you've learned consistency, brand image. Um, you've learned so many things, versatility within your content, but like, what else did you take from that? Like, what else did it take for you to make this? Because you're very consistent in your podcast and posting and like, what did it take as a person for you to manage all these things? Um, oh, this is going to be a really stereotypical answer, but I think what actually drives me and keeps me going, um, you know, even when like, let's say, um, it's not as profitable as I wish, or it's, you know, we get some mean comments sometimes is, um, 
loving and having a passion for what I do and not even just loving and like loving what you do in the moment, but seeing the future of what you do, being able to see a future or a different, like seeing what you can do and how that can affect and change other people's lives and how that can make the world a different place. Um, and, and that's what I really am able to do. I have, I guess, having vision is what I'm trying to say. Um, when you have a vision, um, and I, I don't think that everybody is just born with a vision. I think that you can sit down and, and it's something that you can work on and you can develop. But um, when you do have a vision, you know, you, it makes a lot of, you know, the branding and the consistency and the versatility, it makes that all a lot easier because you have a goal that you're working towards and a dream that you're trying to fulfill. Um, and, and yeah, like, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to create your own magazine or your own podcast or be in the creative space. But I think that what every creative would tell you is that when they can see, you know, a vision for something that they've created and they, and they see it really impacting lives, that's when, you know, you start to, everything else falls into place. Definitely. That, that inspired me because I feel that way too. Um, <laughs> I think we talked about on your episode about having goals and accomplishing goals that I have for the podcast. And that just, it, it's like great to make money and to just be, have this many followers, but it's important that like, you're actually making a difference. Yeah. And that's like, that's the biggest thing for me. That's always been the biggest thing for me. That's the purpose of my platform as well. So that's definitely great to hear from another black woman mm-hmm. who's working hard and who's managing all these things. You know what I mean? So um, I really appreciate this conversation so much. Like I really just love to hear your perspective, especially you getting topics out there, you talking about things, which I hope to also explore on this podcast and, Mm -hmm. you know, inspire listeners to do as I experience those things. So I definitely want to ask about your time in Spain. I've heard amazing things about Barcelona, but where have you been in Spain and how was that experience overall? Yeah, so I lived in Madrid, um, but I did visit Barcelona. Um, I absolutely recommend Barcelona because it's just like it's just such a beautiful city and the architecture is amazing and the parks and like the the beach and yeah um but I lived in Madrid um and uh it was a very it's like a New York City but like European style so the architecture is very European um you walk down the street there's like hundreds of other people bustling off to work and like um the only thing interesting about Spanish people versus like, let's say New York, um, is that even Madrid being the capital of Spain, you still can't find people who walk fast on the streets. Like there's just such a chill, like easy go lucky, um, like, Oh no, we'll get there. Don't worry. Relax. You know, kind of vibe. Everybody, you know, um, like even after the coronavirus, um, um, when the, the, the World Health Organization named it a pandemic, I think, you know, a lot of my Spanish friends were still like, no, don't worry, you know, it'll be okay. Um, like, just wow. they have a very, and I think, it, yeah, I think it can be a good thing and it can be, be a bad thing. I think it's their, their greatest weapon and their worst enemy at the same time because, um, yeah, like, you want to take life con calma, which is what they basically means, like, like take life with calmness um Mm -hmm. but you don't want to take it that calmly (laughs) to the point where you you know like nothing really matters um so yeah I definitely learned to chill a little bit more while I was in Spain I had to settle for walking slowly down the streets you know I'd have to I'd be late to school 
but I, yeah. I like an old, an elderly couple would walk right in front of me and they'd just be taking their sweet time. And I, oh, wow. instead of being like out of my way, like I just had to be like, <laughs> you know what? It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> like I'll get to school. Um, and yeah, like Spain is a really beautiful city. Um, I learned a lot about racism actually in Spain. Um, not anything that I didn't know, but like I just realized um, what I was talking about with friendships earlier, which is that there, you know, white privilege goes extends so far that you know even your friends who you know you may think that you have the closest relationships with them, sometimes they just don't value your relationship with them as much because being uh, somebody who has access to white privilege, you can find another. It it, yeah. it like it comes so easy to you everything that in life and um so but that doesn't make me that I mean that that makes me a little sad um but on the other side I feel like you know if there's also a downside to white privilege I guess which is that you take things for granted and I'm really lucky that I don't take my friendships or my relationships or my family for granted and I really really value what I have because I know that I could lose it and um uh-huh. yeah like that's yeah and I just really value learning that from Spain um the weather is amazing I'd love to move there again just for the weather because the the relief I felt when it when winter came and I didn't have to pull out like a big winter coat and my gloves and my scarves and my like hats like oh, it, yeah, there was just no there. cold <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it's I so beautiful and it's just yeah, the only thing is the is the summer I've heard is horrible. I've never been there in the summer, um, but I've heard it's really really rough to take Spanish summers. But aside from that, like I could just come home every north, like come home to North America every summer and then go back for the rest of the year. <laughs> like, yeah, like that would be my ideal plan. Yeah, exactly. I really enjoyed your perspective on this because when you brought up friendship again, when mentioning Spain, it made me think about my take on friendship because I often think that people that have been through things are great friends because they know what it's Mm. like to not have friends and they also know what it's like to you know what I mean like I think that that's that's my perspective for a while but it just clicked right now (laughs) as we're talking about it Mm -hmm. I think that like yeah I agree you're a great friend like you know what it takes to be a friend because you you have either you haven't had one or you have had one or you've been one to somebody I feel like that really makes you a good friend your ability to relate your ability to know you know like your friend or how they feel or how they respond to certain things I think when you've actually Mm -hmm. been through and I'm not saying white people haven't been through things but when you're in a group of people who are oppressed like you know what it feels like to not feel good enough and you know all these different things that you bring to the table so I feel like that really speaks greatly on friendship as well but I definitely love, I mean, I'm, when this is all over, hopefully soon, crossing fingers because I want, I love traveling and I just, I plan to do a trip before I started working, but it's okay. Um, mm-hmm. But I definitely <laughs> want to go to Barcelona or Spain. Yeah. I, I have, I've heard great things from every single person who's been there. So um, mm-hmm. I really appreciate you coming on the Self Love Happy Hour podcast. This was such a great episode. Um, be sure to follow Grace, tell me all your social all your social media handles and things that we can follow you on and things to look out for. For sure. So um we're on Twitter as Sorella Meg and then Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest as at Sorella Magazine. Um and then if you wanted to follow the sit down sis pod um or podcast, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook as at 
Sit Down Sis Pod. And lastly, if you wanted to check out Sorella Magazine and the publication, you can go to www.sorellamag.org and you can find interviews. Um, we recently launched a workbook for dealing with colorism and racial trauma as a young, dark-skinned Black girl and other, you know, things like that. Like, there is... Um, Lots of articles and tips on basically living your best life and navigating black womanhood. And yeah. Great. So many great tips, so many great platforms and information. I'm so excited um, for this episode and just to read more about, read more into the Sorella magazine and also hear more episodes from you guys. So thank Mm -hmm. you listeners for joining this episode of the self-love happy hour podcast, and I'll see you at the next happy hour.